All right, welcome back to another episode of Film Fact Stacks. I'm one of your hosts, Jack Coyle, along with Mason Wood to my left. Mason is the football editor for Backsports Page, as well as a contributor to Shy City Sports. Underneath me is Freddie Friedman. Freddie is a professional handicapper, uh, film watcher, football aficionado. Uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, gentlemen? Mason. How we doing, everybody? Excited to get on and, and talk about some football here. So appreciate the in- intro from Jack. We've got plenty to discuss with uh, the college football rankings coming out and everything. And obviously, we're down to the last five weeks of the NFL season. Absolutely. Yeah. Freddie, what are we going to be talking about? Yeah. So, I mean, I can't really beat that introduction. So I'm just going to say, you know, I'm more of the NFL guy. Jack and Mason are going to be our college pros. And um, yeah. Let's jump right in. Let's jump right in. Yeah, and like Freddie said, uh, if you've ever seen the show before, this is how we run things. We each have our own mandates. I'll be college, Freddie will be pro, and then Mason will be a little bit of a mix of the two. So without further ado, why don't we kick things off with the biggest uh, NCAA story of the week. Was FSU snubbed in the college football playoffs? I mean, I'll go ahead and share my opinion. I think absolutely they got screwed. I don't think anyone can really argue about that and i'm gonna be clear i'm not gonna say anything that hasn't been said about this entire situation i think that it's been talked to death so i'll just make it quick uh we all knew from the beginning of the college football playoffs that this was a possibility you can't have five power five or you can't have five power conferences and four playoff spots someone's gonna get screwed at least we all always knew that this could happen it just hasn't bit us in the ass yet really so you know, it, it's just a dumb idea from the inception. Uh, so, and then FSU is the one that got the brunt of the stick, which which really just stinks for for FSU. But here's another crazy part about it: is it really shouldn't have been a snub job this year, right? So, in in the perfect world, we have undefeated four undefeated teams, conference champions that can go into it. Well, this year we had three undefeated conference champions and then two 11 and one conference champions with a direct win of one over the other should have been Michigan, Washington, FSU, and Texas leave the sec out of it. Mason, what are your thoughts? You know, I'm definitely on the boat that uh, we should have seen. We should have seen Florida state in there. I don't really think anybody imagined a world where Florida state would go undefeated and not be featured in that top four. So it was quite the shock. And especially considering, you know, I, I, am not sure that like, I, I, I was kind of 50, 50 on whether or not Bama was going to really make it in. And I know beating Georgia was a big deal, but Georgia's also done a lot this year. So they also still could have made it in. And you look at all, all of that top six, it's, it's very interesting. And Washington, scraped by with their win on Oregon and had they not have gotten that win this probably looks very different so I think um I think for the NCAA this is kind of perfect for them because they've got some of their biggest teams in the NCAA playing in these games you've got Michigan you've got Texas you've got Alabama and then you've got Washington so you're covering you know all the way around the kind of United States and so I think that aspect of it is going to be interesting these are some storied colleges that are going to be featured However, Florida State should have been one of those as well. Absolutely, Mason. Uh, and I actually want to echo something that you said last week when we were, were talking about the playoffs is the NCAA defies logic. So we all knew it wasn't going to be a logical 
a logical decision, right? So, and and to go back on, you know, one of the one side of the argument is that they were supposed to choose the four best teams, no matter what, right? Regardless, it was supposed to be the four best teams, even if there's an undefeated team. Well, I don't think they did that either. If they're leaving Georgia and Ohio State out, I don't think those are necessarily the four best teams in the country. To mirror what you just said, Mason, they're four of the biggest brands in the country. It's going to sell the most tickets. It's going to get the most viewers. Um, so really just uh, really disappointing for FSU, especially those players, um, those seniors. It, it just stinks. Um, moving on to some more NCAA, or NCAA news. President Charlie Barker announces a that they have a plan for a new subdivision in football, which would allow for the highest resource schools, the ability to pay players directly into a trust fund and with direct NIL licensing agreements. Um, I hate to seem like a reactionary, but this will kill college football as we know it, right? They're creating a semi-pro league uh, right now. And, uh, you know, if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do, but don't have it tied to the universities. Right. So, I mean, for me, all of the things that I love about college football, we won't, we won't see those anymore. Right. Like we won't see walk-ons that, um, get this, the shot at greatness. Right. We won't see those crazy upsets like app state versus Michigan or, um, those runs like Boise state teams that were traditionally not very good. And then in 2007 coming out of nowhere, winning a huge bowl game Um, or all of these things about college football that we all love out the door. Um, And I, again, I hate to seem like a reactionary, but if this is the way that they're going, I, I, I hate to see it. I hate to see it. Mason, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it, it's it's a difficult situation, and especially I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there with saying that this can kill college football as we know it. You know, I think that the NIL deals were kind of perfect, and, and they've worked out really well. Um, you know, fans have gotten certain things back. You know, NCAA, the football games are coming back, and a lot of these players have been able to really license themselves before they even get into the league. I mean, you look at a guy like Caleb Williams, who's already been able to license himself, and he's not even in the league featured in all these different commercials state farm this and that and so for me i i feel like the nil deal is plenty for 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 this sort of scenario and i think that this is just trying to add too much and it's just going to destroy you know what we love about college football and and i mentioned it to you when when we got the news you know i think that it takes away the aspect of watching a coach go to an you know a college and, and completely turn it around i mean for things like Nick, what Nick Saban did in Alabama and, and stuff like that, we're, we're not going to see that anymore. These colleges that are good will stay good for a very, very, very long time. I mean, this isn't going it, to, it, it creates zero change. I think the biggest thing that people struggle with with college football is, especially at the top, there's not that much parity compared to, you know, outside the top 25, you can argue there's more parity. I mean, really outside the top 15, but inside that top 10, it's the same teams pretty much every year with a little bit of parity here and there. We would destroy any ounce of parity that the NCAA football would have if this move was made. So personally, I, I'm very against it, and I've had some time to think about it since the news came out you know, yesterday, and I'm still very against it uh, 24 hours later. 100%, Mace. And, and you touched on it a bit there, but it uh, just to completely say exactly what you are kind of pointing out is – by creating this subdivision, you're effectively relegating the less the rest of the league to a lesser 
So if you, you know, if you want to keep it the FBS and then you create this other subdivision, whatever the FAS, whatever, um, you're effectively relegating the rest of the league. So, you know, and all, and this is really going to hurt a lot of those teams that are kind of on the cusp, like those, um, those Penn States or, um, you know, uh, Oregon state who I've talked about a lot, Washington state, all of those teams who are like very good, not necessarily great. Those are the teams that are going to get screwed the most. Um, and that's, yeah, it's a shame. Uh, Freddie, any thoughts on the situation? Yeah, I'm, I think it's very interesting. I, so, I mean, just from the business standpoint, like what's going to happen to some of these colleges if they're making money on football right now and they're using that to sort of fund themselves or a bunch of a bunch of their programs? And then are they going to try and like moneyball the situation? So are we going to see an explosion in even more so in sports analytics? And um, I think it's it's a really interesting thing in terms of how it changes industry and college landscapes. So. Um, I don't know. That's just something really interesting to think about to me. And to that point, Freddie, it also – now, in the announcement, the coach said that Title IX would still apply so that female athletes and male athletes would have to be compensated the same. I don't know how that could possibly yeah. play out practically in the real in the real world. If, if these football players are bringing in hundreds of millions of dollars versus women's volleyball, like I, I – there's there's just a math problem there, right? You, yeah. It's it's just not gonna not gonna compute. And really, what that means is what those schools are gonna do is just cut the sports entirely. Anyway, it, it's a shame. Um, yeah. But that is all I have to say on college, the state of college football at the moment. Mason, on to you for your mandates. Absolutely. So, kind of to start off, uh, one of the first things I wanted to mention, I mentioned it last week, but Jim Harbaugh. There was actually a report that came out in the last 24 hours that Jim Harbaugh is uh, looking to sign a potential five-year, $55 million deal that signs him through 2028 with Michigan. I think this is a big one because last week I mentioned he could come back to the NFL. But here's the big thing. They want it written. Michigan is in they. Michigan wants it written in writing that Harbaugh is not going to continue to seek NFL teams as far as head coaching vacancies. So – this would basically, yeah, lock him up for the next five seasons and all of these rumors would potentially go away. So I think we're going to have that official answer. I think Michigan is just as tired as everybody else of hearing these rumors come around every freaking year for the last like four years. So it sounds like, you know, if Harbaugh signs this deal with Michigan, that's it. But he's going to have a big choice to make and, and he's going to have to make it now. It's kind of forcing their hands. So, Jack, what are your, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it's honestly, it's going to come down to what are the offers that he's getting from the NFL teams is, are they matching that 11 million a year? Is it a little more? Is it a little less? And what room is he walking into? Right. Is it, 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 it's a tough choice. If, if you are going to the national championship and really, I don't think that's going to stop for Michigan anytime soon. If you're competing at the highest level, going from winning like that to losing, consistently sucks. So, you know, it, it, it's going to be a tough choice. Um, and, but I really think it's going to come down to the money. I think if, if an NFL team's willing to pay him enough, I think he'll go. Freddie, what about you? Absolutely. Freddie, any thoughts? Yeah. So I, I think I'm not so well versed in the history of his contracts, but it seems to me that he prefers the college level. 
um, from what I recall. So I don't even think it's necessarily going to come down to the money. 11 a year is plenty. Um, my guess without really knowledge of the college side of things is that he's going to stay down there in Michigan and keep doing his thing, trying to win championships. Fair enough. It's going to be interesting to see what decision he makes. And, and as I said, we'll know kind of how his story is going to unfold. Uh, definitely by the start of next season, we'll know if he's, if he's with Michigan, then he's with Michigan for the next five years. And that's, uh, the story of Jim Harbaugh through the 2020. So that being said, moving on over to my next point, we talked about the uh, college football playoff selection, and I wanted to look a little further than that, looking at some of the bowl games. Now, bowl games start on the 16th. There's a few bowl games that I'm really looking forward to that I think are going to be pretty entertaining. Uh, one of them is actually the New Mexico Bowl, Fresno State versus New Mexico State. Both those colleges have been pretty solid this year, and I'm excited to see the two of them play. The Cure Bowl with Miami and uh, Appalachian State. Um, I would love to see Appalachian State be fantastic here, but they totally let me down in my parlay last week, and it was very upsetting. So that being said, that game I'm looking forward to as well. Those, both of those games are going to be on Saturday, December 16th. So that's going to be the first week, uh, the first day that we get brand new bowl games. Another game I'm looking forward to is going to be the San Jose State versus Coastal Carolina game, that one in Hawaii. I'm looking forward to see how Coastal Carolina plays in that game. And I think it's going to be a good game. I think San Jose State's going to be competitive. Another game I'm looking forward to is the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. That one is Kansas versus UNLV. It's actually being played here in Arizona. I will be at that game. So maybe a little bit of bias towards this one. However, Kansas has, has been a school that I've kind of been for. They didn't have as a great of a season this season as they did last year. And UNLV has actually you know, surpassed a lot of expectations. They've actually had a really solid year. So it's going to be interesting to see how this game plays out over at Chase Field in Phoenix, Arizona. The last couple that I am looking forward to, uh, Oklahoma versus Arizona. That would be in the Alamo Bowl in San Antonio, Texas. That one I'm looking forward to is Arizona has really come on strong, and I think Oklahoma has done a good job of kind of keeping their name and keeping their foot in the top 15 over the course of the season. Arizona's kind of that new in-breaking story. I think this one's going to be a really interesting one for sure. Lastly, there's a few of these top-ranked teams that are definitely going to put on a good show. I look towards Penn State versus Ole Miss. That one, the Peach Bowl in at Atlanta, Georgia at 12 o'clock. I'm looking forward to that one. And then the last one I'm looking forward to, two teams we've already touched on a little bit, the Florida State versus Georgia at the Miami Gardens in Florida, the Orange Bowl. And if Florida State wants to prove everybody wrong, this is their opportunity. They're going to go out. They're going to beat Georgia. And this game is going to be so entertaining because you know Georgia isn't happy about the fact that, well, they're not in, you know, they're not involved. So it's going to be really interesting to see these two teams match up because both of them want to prove that they should have been in that playoff. So those are kind of the bowl games that I'm looking towards. Uh, Jack, are there any bowl games that kind of catch your eye heading into the next couple of weeks? Yeah, definitely. Well, first of all, I got a quick question for you about that Georgia FSU game. You're the FSU head coach. Let's say you beat Georgia. Are you hanging a banner? No. Oh, no. man, I am 13-0 and 0 in <laughs> Georgia. That banner's going up. You're damn right we're claiming the national champions. If if they're not going to put us in the playoffs and we beat everyone they put in front of us, I'm saying we're the best team in the country no matter what. But hey, it's just fair enough. It's an undefeated season. You win it in Florida at the Miami Gardens, right? It's the Orange Bowl, so it would look beautiful in the stadium. You get that banner in there, plus you get the you know the fact that you beat Georgia along the way. I don't blame him at all if he wants to go for it, definitely. 
Right. Um, now, to your next question, bowl games I'm looking forward to. This one might be a surpriser for you. Uh, the Sun Bowl down in El Paso between Notre Dame and Oregon State, and I'm looking forward to it for one reason, and that's because they're going to be missing a lot of their starters, both teams that they had this year. Let's see what they're going to look like next year, right? Um, you know, I'm really, really interested to see what Oregon State's going to put on the field with their backup quarterback. They don't have their best running back. Uh, new head coach just promoted from the defensive coordinator position. Uh, really interested to see what the product's going to look like. Um, Notre Dame, similar story. Sam Hartman's out. Audric Estime's out. Joe Alt's going to the NFL. Uh, they're missing. Also, their entire receiving core just entered the transfer portal with Rico Flores and um, uh, Tobias Merriweather. And so uh, just really interested to see kind of what's it going to be. Is this going to be a total stinker or are the, both of these teams going to turn around next year? Uh, and really right now, I think it's kind of 50-50. <laughs> Absolutely. I can't, I can't say I blame you. And also one of the games I did forget to mention that I saw here on the list as I was scrolling through. Oklahoma State versus Texas A&M, that one in Houston, Texas at 9 p.m., that one's going to be a masterful game. And that one is on Wednesday, December 27th. It looks like it's probably going to be the best game um, of that day. You do have North Carolina versus West Virginia, but I think North Carolina is probably going to win that one. So I look forward to the Oklahoma State-Texas A&M game. There's a lot of good bowl games this year. There really Absolutely. are. I'm excited. I always also love to look at like some of the some of the names of the bowl games. We got the Pop Tarts Bowl this year, the Pinstripe Bowl. I mean, there's there's plenty of great bowl names. The uh, famous Idaho Potato Bowl is always one of my favorites that's uh, out there right now. This year, there's the Gasparilla Bowl. What is Gasparilla? Gasparilla is a pirate festival in Tampa, Florida, and I know that because I went to college in Florida and I got very drunk at Gasparilla. <laughs> Okay, that would explain why the game is in Tampa, Florida. Okay, okay. Yep. Everyone that's still, like that's still an interesting one. Yeah, it's like Mardi Gras, <laughs> but pirate-themed. Okay, okay. It's great. I like it. I like it. Well, yeah, there's – I have uh, – we, we're, we're actually doing an article on Backsports page that kind of details some of the most interesting bowl names over the years because there's been plenty. There's been plenty that I like. I remember all the ones from NCAA Football 14. All those bowl games, they just stick yeah. in my head. The GoDaddy.com bowl, I feel like I was always playing in that bowl game. That being said, it leads me into my final point that I kind of wanted to touch on today. But I wanted to talk about the NCAA football series. Now, there's been a lot of rumors and everything like that. It was talked about earlier this year that the game was going to come out this summer. They ended up pushing it back to summer. And that is still looking likely from everything that I've heard. Everything I've heard, that game's tracking to about June or July. And I, I can't wait. I absolutely can't wait. What every what everybody else has been hearing is that the dynasty mode is going to be the main mode that they kind of focus on. So there's a lot of people looking forward to jumping back into dynasty. I would also say, don't be surprised if we see ultimate team. It was in the last NCAA game. And it's uh, the only thing that I feel like keeps Madden alive these days. So don't be surprised to see that in there. But I know one thing I'll be doing when I get my hands on the game, and that's starting up a Road to Glory. I'm totally not playing Road to Glory on my laptop. I'm totally not doing a little running back Road to Glory right now. You know, totally didn't start it yesterday. But that being said, I'm looking forward to getting back on Road to Glory. And I wanted to know from you two, I don't know if you guys are video gamers. I don't know if you guys play the NCAA games. But what's the first thing you're doing when you get your hands on a game that hasn't come out? in nearly a decade, more than a decade. 
bro, I can't wait. I am going to take a week off work and just – I'm going to take – Freaking Wyoming to the national championship, Texas State to the national championship. The most fun aspect of that game is taking the worst team and making them the best. It's one NCAA 14 was probably my favorite game of all time. I've spent innumerable hours. I don't is that even a word? I have played so many hours of that game. I I can't wait, dude. I can't wait. Freddie, you a gamer? A little bit. I have to say Madden has been my primary game, and thank God for an alternative of any sort. It has been going downhill for some reason. They get worse every year. They're, they're, I, I don't want to start on a rant against Madden right now because, <laughs> okay, you have other things to talk about. You're right. But you're right. Thank God that there's an alternative coming out. I definitely will be buying it, even though I'm not the biggest gamer. I will be buying it, trying it out, getting online with friends, doing all that. For sure. Hell yeah, man. And maybe you'll start loving college football from playing the game. Maybe I'm just watching for the draft, watching film. I've been getting into it a little bit. So hell yeah. Yeah. We'll take you to a Notre Dame game this year and turn you to the dark side. We'll figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I think the thing I'll say, one thing I didn't mention that I'm looking forward to is a lot of the realism aspects that they're trying to include in this. They're, they have reached out to as many schools as possible to get different chants that their crowds do, to get different music, to get third down music, you know, this and that. They're trying to make it as realistic of a stadium feel as possible, which I love. Also, ESPN is set to be back as like the score bug and have their involvement in the game, as well as Kirk Street being involved as well. So it's going to feel so at home, but at the same time, so fresh and so new. And it's going to be something that, I mean, there's still millions of people that play NCAA football 14 all the time. And I'll tell you right now, I'm looking right at it. I've got 137 hours on the mod for 2023 because it is that perfect. So there's there's so much that I'm excited for for this game. I'm definitely going to be grinding on it for sure. So I just wanted to highlight it, get everybody's hopes up a little bit because I'd like to mention, I mean, we're kind of six months out. I kind of roughly forgot about it because I'm usually an all-round Madden player. And then I realized, I was like, oh, wait, I'm going to get a Madden break in the summer because NCAA is coming out. And I cannot wait. I am so excited to have that freshness, just like Freddie. So with that being said, we'll go ahead and we'll turn things over to Freddie and let him go ahead and do his segment. Cool. I'm going to be mostly quick tonight, uh, but I want to first apologize if I'm twitching. I overdosed on caffeine today, and I'm a little bit I'm a little bit jumpy. Um, that being said, we're going to jump in with Sunday Night Football. I think there are two games we need to talk about specifically, and it's Sunday Night Football and Monday Night Football. What the heck happened? Sunday Night Football, we had Chiefs-Packers. I'm still not buying Jordan Love and the Packers. The Chiefs offense has been struggling all year, they've not found the rhythm. They don't have their playmakers outside of Kelsey, who, by the way, is 34 or thereabouts. Um, so the big thing is how he sees the field and his hips. Well, the hips start to go. So, I mean, he's still productive, but they need something else besides for Kelsey. They've been struggling with that. Also, talking to a few Bears fans, maybe a nagging, naggy issue on offense, maybe something along those lines. So um, definitely not the best play calling this year. And then defensively, they just didn't have their best game. There were some questionable play calls. Jordan Love wasn't going through. It's not that he was just sitting on his first read. He was reading the field a little bit, but there were some times where it was just easy first read open or there were some plays the defense really should have been able to stay in the coverage that they started in the play and they just busted. So um, 
I'm more, this is more something against the Chiefs than it is for the Packers. Although the Packers, you can't fully deny them with their last four or five weeks, but I'm still a little bit down on the Packers below their six and six record. And I'm very down on the Chiefs coaching. Um, Mason, do you have any thoughts on that? You know, I thought it was uh, just one of those games where a lot of these big teams, they're due for one or two stinkers. And, uh, the, you know, the Chiefs have had more than they're used to, but this was kind of one of those games. And, and you have to credit, you know, the Packers with, uh, you know, Mike Tirico kind of pointed it out, but they kind of were just saying, hey, what the heck? We're just going to throw the kitchen sink out there. And, and they used every little thing in their book. I mean, Matt LaFleur using every last little play call he could use. And they had a good night. And it's something that they have to build on that while they're involved in the playoff race right now. There's still a lot of building to do in that organization as far as their offense goes. So there's still a lot to go, but it was a solid win for them. But same with you, Freddie. I'm still not entirely sold on them. Maybe it's because I'm wearing this jersey, but you make you be the judge. And Jack, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, a couple things about that game. Uh, so first of all, only time that Aaron Rod, or excuse me, Aaron Rodgers, only time that Patrick Mahomes has ever lost to the Packers. Also, the only time that he's ever played at Lambeau. I think that those are two things that we can't forget. Lambeau is a tough place to play. Um, I'm with you, Freddie. Jordan Love made a couple of throws that I was like, how did that not get picked off? Particularly that one deep ball. Uh, I think you know exactly the throw I'm talking about. Uh, lofted it up. Could have been picked off by three different defenders. Um now, here's what I want to ask you guys about. Um, what about those two calls on the last drive? We got Mahomes' uh, you know, getting out of bounds, the uh, unnecessary roughness call, and then the no call on the pass interference. What are we thinking, Freddie? Yeah, the Mahomes call I'm not so against. I think let them play, although be consistent. So, you know, there's – there's a little bit of a question there, but not the no call on the passing. I was like, that was quite ridiculous. 100%. Yeah. And really two no calls because there's a pretty blatant push off on Kelsey and that Hail Mary on the, in the last play, they, ne they never call those. But I mean, if you're a chiefs fan and you're watching that, I'd be jumping up and yelling at my TV for sure. Yeah. Um, now here's the thing. I know you mentioned that you're not fully sold on the Packers, but let's look at their remaining games guys. Are the Packers going to make the playoffs again? I can't I can't do this again, Mason. We had our whole life with Aaron Rodgers, and now Jordan Love's just excellent as well. No, no, it went Brett Favre, then Aaron Rodgers, and now apparently Jordan Love is going to start balling out. I, I'm not fully sold on it, but he's made quite a bit of improvements in his last five games. Um, from the beginning of the season, he looks a lot better than he did. I'll say yeah, that. For sure. It, it, it's so difficult right now because you've got so many teams that are kind of middle of the road. And you can argue like the Seahawks are kind of backpedaling. The Vikings are starting to backpedal a little. It feels like the Packers are gaining steam at just the right time, which they tend to do at the month of December. So this might be one of those scenarios, unless we see the Seahawks pick up a little bit of steam. I mean, the Rams have been inconsistent, but otherwise, right? Like those are the two teams. And then obviously maybe like maybe, a team from the NFC South, but even then, like they're like the Falcons are six and six leading the wild card. It's kind of <laughs> madness. So there's a lot that has to play out in these next five weeks. We have to see where the Buccaneers and the saints really line up as in comparison to the Falcons who I can't stand. However, the Packers just, everything's looking up for them. It's looking good. 
And Jack, I don't know if you have it pulled up in front of you, but how many of these next few games are they playing at home? Ooh, um, only two at home, it looks like, if I'm reading this correctly. But, yes, only two at home. But listen to this lineup. Giants, Buccaneers, Panthers, Vikings, Bears. Every one of those games is winnable. Yep. And Which are their two games that they're, they are at home for? Sorry, uh, Freddie, I want to hear what you were going to say. Yeah. But they're at home for the Buccaneers and the Bears. Freddie. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm loving both of your thoughts. And to piggyback on that, the Rams have some winnable games, Commanders, Saints, Giants, but they play the Ravens and the Niners. Yep. Um, both away games for them. And then the Seahawks, they play the Niners away. They play the Eagles at home, but that's the Eagles. Uh, the Titans, who can do some things, but that's a, that should be a winnable game. The Steelers, who you never know what you're going to get. And then the Cardinals, which is a divisional game, but they should win that. But they, too, they play the 49ers and the Eagles. Those are two tough games. The Packers do have the easiest schedule, and they currently occupy a playoff spot. So uh, that's definitely, definitely concerning for Bears fans, um, definitely <laughs> exciting for Packers fans. And it's definitely going to make for very bad football. They'll probably get the Falcons if they end up in – well, they're going to up in the sixth seed, so they'll get the three. So they'll probably get the Cowboys, actually. Um, although that comes down to Cowboys-Eagles this week. But we're starting to get a little you're bit right, right. ahead of ourselves Continue here. But yeah. Um, it's going to make for some ugly playoff football. But to talk about the NFC South, because that came up a little bit, they are the epitome of the 2023 NFL season. We are just seeing bad football after bad football after bad football, and no division says it like the NFC South. So that that whole division I am hating right now, um, and I hated watching film this past week. I wanted to quit like with on five different games. It was so bad. Patriots, Chargers? Oh, yeah. No, I, I wanted to change professions. I was <laughs> I was done. I hated every down. It was so bad. Coaching, personnel, everything. Everything. But so I didn't want to hijack. Did you guys have any more thoughts? Um, you guys already shared great thoughts, but do you have any more thoughts on what we've been talking about? Nope, nope, not at all. Just really, I will say that was a great game, though. Really, really entertaining game, and I enjoyed watching it. Packers, Packers Chiefs? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That was one of the, some of the better games of the week. Moving on to Monday Night Football, Jags, Bengals. This proves multiple things. First, Doug Peterson needs to be fired. His whole era has been disastrous. They've last year they sort of spun it around year three of Trevor Lawrence and um, right year last year was year two of Trevor Lawrence. Yep, year two yeah, of Trevor year. Lawrence. Mm -hmm. But they they sort of flipped it around at the end. You're coming into year three, big expectations. They've not been playing good football. I don't care what the record says. Similar to the Lions, they've been playing – the Jacks have been playing some really bad football, and their corners haven't been good this year. So if you look at the film on Jake Browning, people – I want this is also part of it. People have been talking about, is Jake Browning going to be able to lead the Bengals somewhere? Probably not. A lot of his throws will run one read, and there, he was a one-read game manager that – for Doug Peterson just got outcoached with someone – really dumbing things down for his backup quarterback for the most part. And I'm not a fan of Zach Taylor's coaching. So I think both of these guys need to get fired. But, I mean, Trevor Lawrence played pretty much the whole game, so his injury didn't affect the fact that they put up 28. They got some great field position. Their offense really wasn't clicking for the most part. Defense has their struggles. Um, so there wasn't a lot to like there for either team. 
Um, although Bengals fans may have gotten a bit excited, but I would say he's definitely slow the roll there. A good coach is going to be able to take away that first read from Jake Browning, and you'll definitely have um, more success. Um, thoughts from Jack first. Yeah, uh, again, I thought it was a great game. Uh, I'm going to agree with everything you said is pretty much spot on. The Jags are, I think they're relying way too heavily on just talented players making a play yep. instead of playing solid, consistent football. Yep. You know, we've got Travis Etienne. Screw it. Hand it off to him. He'll get us a couple of yards. It doesn't matter. We don't need to have that structure is kind of the way that I'm seeing it. Throw up a, you know, luckily Trevor Lawrence can throw a laser. Um, and I did read that he's back at practice today. So uh, we'll see kind of how that all plays out with the high ankle sprain that occurred on that game. Um, one thing I do want to point out, though, excellent running back game. Uh, Joe Mixon was played awesome. Travis Etienne also played awesome. Um, so that was fun to watch. And uh, I will say I agree that Bengals fans need to not get ahead of themselves. Jake Browning is not the second coming. But at the same time, let's give – Let's give this man his flowers. That was a hell of a game. 32 for 37. What was it? 350 yards, 340, something crazy like that. Um, really, he played a hell of a game. Now, I am I agree with you. I don't think this kid's going to, you know, uh, take them to the to the playoffs or, or I mean, take them to win a, a conference championship or anything. But, uh, you know, good game, kid. Yeah. Kid, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. He's probably older than us and he's better than us, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Mason. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, I, I will say, I think, you know, the dream of having Doug Peterson fired, unfortunately, Freddie, it doesn't look very good right now. As much as they've had their sleepers in their dud games, uh, the, the Jags are eight and four and their remaining games. I mean, they've got Browns, Ravens, Bucks, Panthers, Titans. It's possible they could lose every single one of those games, but I imagine they at least pick up two to three more. They're probably going to round, round out at about 10 and 7, 11 and 6, right around there. So they're probably going to finish okay. The thing is, is when they get to the playoffs, what's going to happen? Well, it's probably going to be similar to that game against the Bengals, but they're just going to kind of fold and, and Doug Peterson may get out coached. Now, that being said, when it comes to the Bengals side of things, I definitely would pump the brakes on the whole Jake Browning thing. While he had an amazing game against the Jaguars, put on a good performance, an overtime win on Monday Night Football, right? The Bengals' remaining schedule is one of the most difficult ones, I would argue. They've, they're going to have the Colts, who have been scrappy, and they have been good over the course of the last few weeks. you got the Vikings, who are trying their best. They're reeling. We'll have to see what that game looks like, right? And especially without Joe Burrow, I guarantee that's at least a one-touchdown game at the end. You got Bengals Steelers. That one's also going to be a good game. They've got two divisional games because they face the Browns in week 18. So that one's also going to be tough. And then obviously to finish or on December 31st, they play Bengals and Chiefs. So that one's going to be a difficult one. The Bengals have a tough road and Jake Browning is playing some really good teams. I'm not anticipating him being the, the second coming of Joe Burrow here. So I would definitely pump the brakes if I was a Bengals fan for sure, because things are not going to look good over the next few weeks for them. I think you're exactly right. I mean, obviously we agree on Browning, but I think you're right about Doug Peterson as well. I don't think he will get fired. I think a, a lot of the NFL is reactionary. And if you can win and put people in the seats, even if you're not doing the best possible job, you're going to keep your job a lot of the time. So I would agree um, with everything you just said. And um, the Bengals, just the outlook with their schedule and the Jags with their schedule and all that. Um, 
that being said, I want to get to my next point, a little bit of the NFC outlook. Eagles-Cowboys, this is going to be a very interesting game. I'm particularly interested in Deron Bland. His coverage on DK Metcalf, who draws an immediate parallel to AJ Brown in terms of size. Some of it wasn't terrible. The slant that went all the was post, maybe that went all the way. It was like 76 yards or something like that. 73 yards. I think Jamar Chase was 76 yards. It wasn't bad coverage. He was right there. But it's going to be interesting to see how can he bounce back against AJ Brown because the Cowboys need Deron Bland to cover the number one receivers of the teams they face. And if he can't do that this week against A.J. Brown, then the Eagles run away with the NFC most likely. If he can, now you have a really interesting NFC situation with Eagles, Cowboys, and 49ers all sitting there at 10-3 and likely with the 49ers probably winning their game. And speaking of, because this is an NFC outlook uh, point and not just about Eagles, Cowboys, I mean, the 49ers are clearly the best team in football. When they are healthy and they Brock Purdy doesn't make mistakes and their playmakers get to do what they do. They are clearly the best team in football. I criticize them for going and get going and getting Chase Young instead of a corner. But what they do is they go with a ton of cover one. They blitz linebackers and their corners don't need a cover for all that long. So as long as their safeties are making the right decision, Talena Fung is out. But as long as Jared Brown, rookie that I loved coming out of Penn, uh, makes the right decisions, they have Gibson as well. They're going to be a phenomenal defense, and their offense is so explosive in so many different ways. So the Eagles-Cowboys game is probably the game of the season, and it's really interesting that a lot of it really comes down to one player in Deron Bland. What's he going to be able to do against A.J. Brown? What are your thoughts? Mason, go ahead. You know, I think it's going to be one of those games where, you know, I think it's tough when you're a top talent and you've got one of these top teams and you lose a game. It's one of those things where naturally as an analyst, you want to say, okay, well, they're going to come back with a vengeance and they're going to come back with a fire. But at the same time, this feels like something where the Cowboys could get ahead of things and, and, and can try and really put something together. I mean, we've seen the Cowboys start really fast at times, and we've also seen the, the Eagles start really slow a lot of the time. So if we get that kind of perfect mixture where the Cowboys start fast and the Eagles start slow, this one could get kind of lopsided early and the Eagles are playing from behind. And I just, you know, they can play from behind, but I, they, they're better when they're able to do their offense, take their time and kind of work their way down the field. So they're definitely going to want to keep this one close. And, and that's going to start with starting off fast, which is something they haven't done pretty much all season. Jack. Yeah, no, I'm going to echo kind of similar thoughts to what both of you just said, but, um, First of all, I think uh, the uh, the Niners are definitely clearly the best team in football, and I think they made that clear when they played the Eagles. Now, let's see the Eagles versus the Cowboys. And I don't think – first of all, I think you could maybe make the argument that the Niners exposed some flaws in the Eagles, definitely. I think the Eagles are going to clean those up versus the Cowboys. I agree that it is definitely going to come down to that matchup with Deron Bland, but – I don't know if he's going to be able to stop AJ Brown. I think that AJ Brown comes out and has a really good game. And, you know, maybe, maybe it isn't another, I'm not saying he's going to be DK Metcalf where he puts on a a circus. I mean, what did he have? 150 yards, like three TDs, something crazy like that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily going to be that, but I think AJ Brown's got his number. So, um, you know, we'll see. It's going to all come down to what happens on the field, of course, but it's going to be a close game and it's likely going to, uh, determine the outcome of the season. So really looking forward to that one. 
Yeah, and just to jump on that a little bit, um, I think I don't think Deron Bland needs to prevent AJ Brown from getting a buck or even a buck fifty and one touchdown. Um, because CD Lamb, yeah, I think right, he needs to prevent the three touchdowns. CD Lamb, Brandon Cooks. Um, they've sort of been starting to do their thing. They have some tight ends, Jake Ferguson. They have a little bit of a run game. They have a good offensive line. The Cowboys can score, and Mike McCarthy calls a good game, although he's not so involved right now with his health issues. But um, Dan Quinn is an experienced head coach. He's been doing a great job with the defense. But anyway, the Cowboys can score. So, yeah, Deron Bland needs to prevent the three touchdowns. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Um, that's all I had. Do we want to get into our bets for this weekend and then I cannot wait to talk about these bets boys all three of us had a bad beat this weekend but I mean Freddie I gotta hear about yours first I mean what one of the worst beats I've heard of Freddie tell us about your horrible yeah. beat of the week okay so we, we, we'll do this and then we'll pick our bets for next week I need yes. to pull this up this was a nine cent 18 leg parlay to pay out six hundred and twenty thousand dollars okay <laughs> I, I, I had the worst Sunday. Okay. We're going to start with the one o'clock games. Tyree Kill to score a touchdown. Right. That hit. Raheem Mostert to score a touchdown. Dolphins money line. Nice, simple, nothing crazy. Taysom Hill to score a touchdown against the Lions. Amon Ra to score in that same game. Alvin Kamara to score two touchdowns. And Sam Laporta to score that game going over 47 and a half. That SGP alone within this 18-leg parlay would have was 125 to 1. Thereabouts, all of that hits. Okay, right. so we're good. Titans Colts game over 42 and a half. D hop to score and Zach Moss to score. Now, Zach Moss had a couple of opportunities in regulation, didn't get in. It kind of sucked. The game goes to overtime in a weird way. I'm elated. Titans get the ball first and score a field goal. That is the perfect situation, forcing the Colts to be as aggressive as possible and try and get a touchdown, not run out the clock, do whatever. They get a deep pass to Alec Pierce, for those who didn't see the game. And I am yelling, tackle this man, tackle this man. And he gets run down from behind within the five. And I'm losing my mind. And they throw the ball twice. And Shane Steichen is a coach of the year candidate. We t- we mentioned that sort of earlier in passing. The Colts are doing a great job. They're in contention. They were shot at their division. It's incredible. They do not have great talent. So as far as coaching goes, it's one of the best coaching um, jobs we've seen all year. But I'm ready to kill Shane Steichen because in the four o'clock games, I then had Chuba Hubbard to score. This was actually this was out of order for some reason. But I had Chargers money line. That's from the one o'clock. I'm entering cash out territory on a nine cent parlay, easily 50 grand, easily based off of the other bets that I had that entered cash out territory. That was a tough loss. That, that one hurt. That has to hurt, hurt. man. Yeah. There's nothing else to say. Yeah. That, that's rough, dude. I, so I was listening while I was editing our last episode. I was listening to your picks, your anytime touchdowns, and I was like, holy shit, that hit, that hit, that yeah. guy scored twice, that guy scored twice. I was like, oh my God, Freddie might have made a pretty penny this weekend, depending on what he placed, but I'm sorry to hear about the bad beat, bro. Now, Mason, 
I know that you have a history with the Falcons, my friend. And I got to say, I was watching this game very eagerly this weekend. And I was thinking, man, I wonder what Mason's going to think. So why don't you tell all the uh, tell, tell all the viewers about it? Well, who, who would have thought, right? I mean, I, I, I've said it before. The Falcons hate me. I've got Bijan and I've got Kyle Pitts on, on both my fantasy team, on, on two out of like my five fantasy teams, right? I've also like picked against them on multiple weeks. And then I've also picked with them saying, oh, Bijan will have 40 yards and Kyle Pitts will have 25, this and that. And then those are the weeks that everything fails. And they really did me dirty a few weeks ago when they played the Texans. This was another week where I said it on last week's show. I mentioned it. I said, hey, guess what? You think the Jets are going to win? But now that the, now that we've talked about it, now that we've brought it up, and now that we've said, well, maybe the Falcons are going to lose, guess what happened? The Falcons won. And now they're 6-6. Six and six. I mean, I, I hate that team. They don't deserve to be there. They should have a much better record with the players that they have. It's ridiculous. And to be fair, I didn't even pick anything on that game. And I still had a horrible beat because I sent you guys a bet, and I had a really nice parlay, 10-leg parlay, You've got Sam Laporta, four receptions. Sam Laporta, 25 yards. Nice. You've got Mike Evans, five receptions. Mike Evans, 50 yards. He had a very nice game. Nice. You had Brandon Ayuk, five receptions. You had Tyreek Hill at 80 yards. Jalen Waddell at 40 yards. Jalen Waddell at five-plus receptions. All of that hits, except Tyreek Hill, eight receptions, did not hit. The man had like 157 yards on like four catches. It was disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. And then Brandon Ayuk, despite having five catches, couldn't get over the 70-yard mark. That one was plus two, uh, 27.89. Would have been a really nice hit for me on Sunday. It was one of many bad beats I had. I had over on the uh, the 49ers-Eagles game with a Brandon Ayuk touchdown, which happened, but the Eagles did not cover the spread despite them being underdogs. I had a four-time uh, anytime touchdown parlay with McCaffrey, Hurts, Debo, and A.J. Brown, who did not get a touchdown, and he came close. There was another one that I was close to out of the four legs hit on a plus 3,200. Missed out on a George Kittle touchdown. All the 49ers scored touchdowns except for George Kittle's week. So it was a painful week. There was a couple other parlays from that game that missed out by one or two legs. I tell you, that game will cause me pain for forever. Uh, for real. That's a tough one, too, buddy. That's a tough one, too. I also had uh well okay I had a big win this weekend and then I had a bad beat so the uh we made a lot of me and my buddies sat down to watch the Iowa Michigan game and uh for the first drive I mean that's an easy bet right so we hedged uh Iowa first drive punt Michigan first drive field goal as well as Iowa first drive punt Michigan first drive touchdown so plays 20 on that or uh, one 170 now our bad beat was Michigan is, you know, kicking their ass the entire time. They're up 10 nothing with the ball with, uh, I think, eight minutes left. Put in the live bet, uh, minus 16.5 for Michigan in the first half. They don't score again. We lose all of those winnings. Classic gambling story. Another bad beat for me this weekend. I also want to apologize for anyone who hammered the under last week who that I – promise would hit when texas almost covered it by themselves uh i did not think that they were going to pull out all the stops last weekend and uh it was i think 70 points and the line was like 55 so uh i'm gonna go ahead and say my bad guys hey how about that iowa under though hey hey, cash is again 
when they officially hit 10 out of 12 unders on the season. If that's not the sad. And I'd like to mention, I'd like to mention too, they fired their offensive coordinator at a certain point. There was a lot of us betters that had a lot of fear that like, oh, great. They fired their offensive coordinator. Suddenly their offense is going to be great. No, no, they are just the Iowa Hawkeyes. I love them. I, I love them for the sole reason. I mean, we're at eight straight games on the under. Next season, you know, the first thing I'm hitting on week one, the under on the Iowa game, which hopefully is inflated because it's week one. So then he, I'll, I'll hammer it even more. <laughs> yeah, man, it was tough. All right, guys, let's get into good bets going into yeah. next week. Freddie, what do you got, brother? Oh, starting off with me. All right, so tonight's game, this we're not going to have it out by then, but Patriots Steelers, you got to go the under, right? I don't know what it's at, but – it, it can't be below 30, and the chances of that game breaking 30. 30 points. It's at 30? The chances of it's that game 30 breaking... 30 and a half. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I, I, am, I might not watch that game of film. I know what both teams do, and oh, my God. I'd be surprised if that game breaks 20. So that's the under, but just to mention that. Um, yeah. I mean, Ravens-Rams, it's going to come down to the run game, so you can sort of have... You can have fun with that. I mean, the Rams have a great shot of winning with Puka Nakua, especially if he should be out there, according to Sean McVay's um, description of Puka's participation in practice. So um, it's going to come down. You could do if you're going to pick the Ravens money line, I would say hammer Gus Edwards and, and Keaton Mitchell to do some nice things. But you can you can um, have some fun with the Rams money line as well, so you can have good odds in both directions. Um, Colts Bengals, you got to go Colts. That said. It should be high scoring, so I would point to the over there. The Colts' back seven of their defense is not that great. Browns, Jags, I'm going to take the Browns, and I'm going to take Jerome Ford to have a nice game. Okay. Um, and then I think Joe Flacco is going to do a decent job with Elijah Moore as well. Lions, Bears, you have to take Justin Fields. I don't know what his rushing over is going to be, but that is definitely interesting. And then Cole Komet to score a touchdown is a very interesting pick. As well, Seahawks Niners, that's a Christian McCaffrey game with the way the Seahawks defense has been playing all year. So that's an easy anytime touchdown score for the Niners should win that game. Uh, Bills Chiefs, I'm going to take Gabe Davis to score at least one touchdown, break 50 yards. And I'm going to take the Bills plus seven and a half. That's a conservative pick. I think the Bills are going to win that game coming in. So I like a little bit of a stack there. You can take all these separate. You can put them all together. Um it might be a repeat of next week with one a, a repeat of last week with one leg missing. Um, Broncos Chargers got to go Broncos there. Eagles Cowboys. I'm going to take the over. I'm going to take CD to score. I'm going to take AJ Brown to score. I'm going to take DeAndre Swift over 40 rushing yards. And I'm going to take, I like Brandon Cooks to score, but that's something maybe I'll feel out Sunday morning um, or Sunday afternoon and see how that's going. So that's a little bit of a Sunday night football parlay. Um, we'll leave Monday night off, except for the fact that the Packers and Dolphins should both win their games. Those are my picks. Just looking at them. Um, what about you guys? Love it. Love it, man. Um, like you mentioned tonight, the it's over under 30 and a half. I'm hammering that under, you know, my rule, if it's a 32 and a half or under it's, it, it's the unders hitting. So I'm placing, those are my bets for the week. I'm placing, the under 30 and a half for the Patriots and Steelers. And then also Jacksonville and the Browns 32 and a half. I'm going to hit that under as well. Um, yeah. I know that's going to be a really tough one because I think they, they will go over, but just that's what the numbers tell me. 
is that mm-hmm. the, these have never lost. So I'm going to go the 32 and a half. Um, also, uh, I might take Jags money line for that. We'll see. Really? We'll see. Yeah. I think, um, I don't know. I, I don't like the way that they've been playing recently. I've just got a feeling and that's, that's it. I would push back a little bit. Not to, I don't, I might have more bets, but I just, I think the Browns could break the over by themselves. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna say that's sort of where my mind's at. But, well, what other bets do you got? Oh, that, that's it for me, Mason. What about you? Okay. Well, going into tonight's game, I've got one that that I kind of like. It's a plus uh, ten seventy. You've got Jalen Warren, three receptions. He's been doing really good in their uh, passing game for the Steelers. I've got Allen Robinson, two receptions. Uh, for him, Mitch Trubisky at quarterback, I feel like just a couple times still hits. And uh, I, I would also take the over on yards for Allen Robinson. It's at like 11 and a half. I would take the over on yards if you can. You got George Pickens at 25 plus yards. Um, I like that one as well. And then also, this one's a little bit interesting. I'm excited to see how he does tonight. But give me Mitch Trubisky over 100, uh, 180 and a half on his passing yards. Uh, pair that with Pat Fryermuth, 25 plus, And I'm pretty happy with that parlay. Now, when we look further ahead, to Sunday, some of the plays that that I'm looking forward to. One of them is kind of piggybacking off of um, what um, what Freddie said with Gabe Davis. I like doing a little bit of a ladder with him, pair it with Rache Rice, and kind of ladder their yards up all the way. There's some crazy odds when you get up to about Gabe Davis at, at about 90 yards or so. I'm not saying he's going to have that big of a game, but I do like a ladder with them. And then the other one that I like, I'm a, I'm big in a receiver picks. I'm a big fan of a Chris Godwin ladder this weekend as well. You've got the Buccaneers and the Falcons. I think that game is going to be interesting. I definitely think the Saints are going to be able to get something going, but I also think that Mike Evans may have a, a slower game. He's been, he's been on top of the world the last few weeks. It feels like a time for Chris Godwin to kind of come back into the fold and let his name be known to all the Tampa fans and specifically to the Atlanta fans as this game will be in Atlanta. So I like the ladder with him. Go 60, 80, and 100 on that one all the way up. At 100 yards right now. I don't know what it's at right now, but last I looked, it was at about plus 1,000, and, and I kind of like it right there. So for me, that is uh, pretty much all I have. I have a couple more uh, miscellaneous picks for tonight's game. Obviously, one of them is the under. The 30-and-a-half scared me a little bit, though, so I took an alternate under at about 34-and-a-half. Hopefully, we still hit there, but I'm also a fan of uh, a little bit of Zeke Elliott tonight. Give me over two-and-a-half receptions as well as 40 rushing yards for him as well but that kind of caps off uh, all of my plays so i'll have more throughout the weekend but i haven't uh, been able to do all of my restrictions awesome yeah i like i like your pointing to to the bucks falcons game i think it's gonna be very interesting um especially with jeff okuda i'm not sure where he's at in the concussion protocol but um that could definitely make things interesting there although jesse bates could have fun with baker mayfield so we'll see what happens We'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. All right, guys. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us for another episode of Film Fact Stacks. I am Jack Coyle, my co-host, Mason Wood, and Freddie Freeman. Just to remind you, this is a podcast brought to you by Back Sports Page. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week.